Back for another episode of End to End. Me and Joe are with you, and we're coming at you live from a day later. The Habs win over the Vegas Golden Knights in overtime. Josh Anderson gets two in that one, including the overtime winner. And the Habs are up 2-1 in the series. I don't think anyone would have thought I would have said that sentence, but we're here, we're, we're here recording episode 21 of season three saying that sentence. So, Joe, what are your thoughts from that game? I didn't watch the second and third mostly. I only saw Flurry's gaff, which was incredibly embarrassing. But overall thoughts on that game, because up until that point, I saw in the score, it was just pure cardio night from the Habs, but then they got to work. Yeah, you're right. It was pure cardio for them for the first two periods. Uh, Price is the only reason they won yesterday, plain and simple. Everyone's saying he stole game two, like when they won game two. I don't agree with that. He played very well. Last night was just like they stole. But there were so <laughs> many problems with last night's game that had nothing to do with the play, it, it, more to do with the officiating. Um, but let's just start with the game first. So Vegas completely dominated for the first two periods and then Montreal finally woke up in the third and like the shots were more even the chances more more even and same in overtime and that flurry gap like you mentioned my god that is all time bad um especially if you're like the the team in general like you're completely dominating them you're only up by one um you're like less than two minutes left and one of your best players all year does that yeah, and it just kills the momentum in the Montreal in overtime, and they were pretty even as well. I think Vegas was more kind of shocked than anything, and then that overtime goal was a, was a nice play by Anderson. Looked a bit offside at first, like in real time, but it didn't. His skate was right on the line when he made when he uh, batted that puck down. It was a nice goal overall, better than the flurry gaff. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe it. They completely stole that game. But if you want, we can get into the the refereeing of that game. Oh God, we we talk about refing more than the league itself for some reason. I know, like last night was absolutely egregious. Like I was so pissed in our group chat because it it literally looked rigged. Because like there was times where like Armia, like when Armia got called for like boarding, even though he missed the numbers intentionally, it still looked like he kind of hit him, but he didn't hit the numbers. It was for more like the side. Yeah, and then like the Kakanyemi got. Two hooking penalties. One right before the second one. McNabb cross-checked Lekin in from behind into the boards like five seconds before that like play happened. And like I'm like, man, it's it's so inconsistent. And then of course the Corey Perry in overtime. Like that's the one of the yeah, worst missed bad. calls in like history. Bad. If they lost that game, that building, those those refs wouldn't have left that building. Um <laughs> the, the, the fans would have fucking like mobbed up on them, beat them up or something. But they got through it. Yeah. They stole it. I can't complain. No, yeah, you're right. But, like, yeah, the only thing complaining about is uh, officiating. Uh, it's been pretty bad in this year especially. But that Perry one is just ridiculous. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to slow down the game here. But, like, you got to look at that. Like, you see a guy bleeding going to locker room. You got to look at that uh, somehow. But, uh, obviously, they didn't. And they went on. And Montreal won. So, thank, thank God they won. But Flurry, man. Does he start next game? Because I'm think like I'm a flurry guy, so but I I think they have to give the nod to Leonard. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's tough because it's not like a do or die game. Because like, that's the still, reason why. Yeah, because you're still going back to Vegas for Game Five, regardless. And that built whether they win or not on uh, tomorrow, that building mm-hmm. is still going to be rocking. 
and they have the full advantage of them playing at home. So that's a tough call for DeBoer to make. Fleury's gone them this far all year long and in the playoffs. He's been ex- excellent, except for this series, really. He's let in some a couple of weak goals, and then obviously that gaffe was horrible. But um, I don't know. We'll see what they do. Maybe because everyone keeps saying, oh, he's from Montreal, and like the pressure might get to him. Well, it looked like it last night, so... <laughs> We'll see what happens for tomorrow's game. But that's a big decision that DeBoer needs to make because when he threw Leonard in in game one versus Colorado, the guy got absolutely embarrassed. Obviously, it wasn't Leonard's fault, but like maybe they just play differently in front of him, but who knows? Yeah. yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think they should give Leonard a chance, but I mean, you're in game four of the conference finals. You don't want to make a mistake again, like you just said. So yeah. I think that's it on that series. Uh, maybe one thing, Carey Price, Con Smythe leader for sure. I don't know if you agree with that. Him and Point are probably up there. Kucherov, those are like my top three. Yeah, for sure. I'd agree with that. Um, Then we're going to that series with Kucherov and Point. I mean, just those two are really incredible. That series overall, I've watched uh, game two and three really closely, and that's just an unbelievable series to watch. Just back and forth hockey, grinding hockey. And that's what I kind of like to watch in the playoffs, grinding hockey, low scoring. And then when you get that one chance, that one mistake the other team makes, they pounce on it. And that's what happens in this series for sure. Yeah, it's a lot more, um, you know, tight checking than obviously the other games that Tampa's played so far. This is more the Islander style game, but Tampa could play that game too. Like the game three win they had in Nassau Coliseum is literally like they played like the Islanders. Yeah. Low event, you know, shut it down. Vasilevsky was good. Their defense played well and they won the game. And then speaking of point, like, man, that guy is unbelievable in the playoffs. He has... I think I saw 16 playoff goals in his last 19 games, which is like, <laughs> like how? That's amazing. So he is a, he is amazing in the playoffs. Obviously, Kucherov's leading the, the entire league in playoff points uh, so far. A lot of credit to that first line of Tampa, but the whole team is just playing really well right now. Yeah, and people go back to the fact that they're $18 million over the salary cap and all that bull crap, but like... At a certain point, you got to be like, a guy was injured for like six months and came back and it just looks like his normal self. Sure, he was probably healthy for a month, but that's pretty tough to get back into game action because we saw a guy in Leafland who was out for four months and wasn't injured. He was just holding up for a contract and looked like ass for like five months. So you could tell the difference between a superstar and a star, but whatever. Uh, Kucherov's playing well. Vashlevsky's playing well. And Victor Hedman, man, up for the Norris once again. Maybe he does win it. I don't know. But he is just, he saved at least three goals against the Islanders just with a stick alone, right? So he's In incredible. Game three, he was like fantastic. Yeah. Like that, those are the games you watch and why he was voted by the NHLPA, which is the players' vote, as the best defenseman in the league with a 65% of vote. Whatever his advanced analytics say, it doesn't match with guys who actually go up against them than guys who make uh, charts from their couch. So <laughs> I'll take their word over anyone's. And for everyone complaining about Price being the best goalie, he is now being dethroned by Vasilevsky, which is obviously the right choice. Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the league. Um, but yeah, like Hedman was outstanding in game three. That's for sure. Yep. Totally agree. So that series kicks off again tonight at eight o'clock. So that would be a fun game for Nassau Coliseum. Uh, that's it for the conference finals. I don't know if you want to touch on anything else, though. Um, not really. That, that was just kind of like that's just going on right now. Tampa's up 2-1. Habs are up 2-1. Game four for both are this weekend. So 
it's getting exciting. We know at least there, there's no sweeps involved because yeah. I remember going in, like even before the playoffs started, people were saying like, not just, not because Montreal is there that they might get swept, but like since they haven't played each other, these teams at all this year, like one team might just have a, you know, total advantage over the other because they haven't like matched up at all. But that hasn't been the case. All the games have been mostly tight. I mean, Montreal went to overtime yesterday. So some, there has, there's only been one real blowout and that was game one, Vegas, Habs. Um, that wasn't like too, too bad. No. Um, but yeah, most of the games have been pretty evenly matched. Yeah, no. And people were saying that sport for the Canadian division saying how this Canadian division is going to get beat up once they play against one of these guys. And it doesn't really look like that. It looks like Montreal's in a close, close series. I mean, I have the Vegas golden Knights in seven. And for that reason, the Montreal Canadiens can play their style of game. So we'll see what happens. Yep. Uh, another former former Vegas Golden Knight head coach, Gerard Gallant, gets a job by the New York Rangers as their new head coach for the next four years. Uh, I think this is a brilliant move for the Rangers and Gallant himself, just a guy who is hungry back to coaching, coach Team Canada, gold medal, whatever you want to say about that. But he goes to the New York Rangers with a lot of young talent, a lot of older talent, a lot of mid-aged talent. So, I mean, I think this is a great hire for the New York Rangers, wouldn't you say? Yeah, this is a slam dunk. Like it was like literally teed up for them as soon as they fired Quinn and he was still available. And like obviously his stock probably rose up when Team Canada won gold, especially the way the tournament started. You could really like if you're like a G if you're like a you know a president of hockey ops or a GM, you could see kind of you look at that and you see how he made the adjustments. And like you said, like the Rangers are a good team. I still think they need to add some defensive help. There, they have some really good forwards, obviously, with Panarin's Abinajad um, and, you know, Strom's there as well. But I think this is a slam dunk and they should make the playoffs next year. Yeah, that's a that's, that's like bold to say they're going to make playoffs because they do have a young team and it's like re- they have a good team. Just, I don't know, like maybe, maybe a wild Pittsburgh, card. Yeah, maybe Pittsburgh dies <laughs> off. Washington dies off because they seem to have died off in this playoffs. But what stranger things have happened. I wish they would go back to one and eight just to make it seem like it's the best teams going from that conference. But mm-hmm. I mean, we'll, we'll take this uh, format that they have here, but Gallant to New York Rangers uh, expected a lot of coaches were interview interviewed for that job. And another job, a lot of coaches were interviewed for was the Seattle job. And it's rumored that Rick Tocca will be the head coach of the Seattle crack. And I don't know how much that is true. And I don't even know who actually said that rumor, but, if that's the rumor going around town, then that is a great rumor for the Seattle uh, Kraken right there to have Rick talk as your first head coach. Yeah, like he's not maybe the most flashiest coach, but he holds his team accountable. Like Arizona, when he was there, they were pretty, like obviously they weren't great, but they were pretty competitive under him. And maybe you need that sort of culture to kind of, obviously you're starting a whole new team from scratch. Just getting that culture kind of intact with Tocket. Maybe he's not there like for the long term and no. he's not like, you know, been like there for like five, six years or whatever, but someone to just establish culture there and, and like a winning mentality. Tocket's, you know, he was assistant with Pittsburgh when they won the Cups, I believe. So he, he has pedigree in terms of winning. It's just not yet as a head coach, but he is a very solid head coach, I would say. Yeah, he did a good job with the Coyotes, who I would agree. And I would think that they have a lot of players who are the same caliber of players, whether they're like third line, second line. Didn't really think they had first line players there, except maybe one guy, I guess, guess clean color. But he did a lot of good things with guys who just played a system, right? And then Seattle's going to get a lot of guys who are just going to come in very, very new, obviously playing together and 
come in and play a system. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. I don't know if it's true, but a lot of coaches are seem to be lined up for that job. So Rick Tockett is definitely at the front run in, the, in that mix. Um, yeah. Other news, Dougie Hamilton, it was allowed to speak with other teams this week, this past week, sorry. And, you know, he's on the Carolina Hurricanes right now. He wants a contract. He's a free agent. I mean, I wrote an article a couple months ago, and I would think he was a lock to sign with the Carolina Hurricanes. But, I mean, it doesn't really seem like it right now. But, I mean, things have quickly turned uh, in the past, like, very fast. I don't know what you think about this whole situation, though. It's so weird. Like, wow, I don't know why it was, like, publicly reported that yeah, he's that, able yeah. to talk to, like, maybe behind the scenes. But the fact that like they like they literally gave him permission to speak to other teams. That doesn't mean he's not going to leave Carolina 100%, but I, I don't think I've ever really seen that where a marquee free agent, defenseman in his prime, he's really good, is allowed to do this. You would yeah. think Carolina would do everything possible to lock this guy up because he's that important to the team. Um, but if, if Carolina doesn't resign them, they instantly are not as good as they were the past couple of years. They have that Brady Shea contract, which is an albatross over five million for like the next three or four years. That's embarrassing. Um, if that's the reason why they can't re-sign Hamilton, then that's the GM should be fired. <laughs> Don <laughs> Waddell. Don Waddell. Yeah, the guy was clowning on the Aho offer sheet, and the guy's gonna let his best defenseman walk for nothing. So, yeah, uh, good one there, Donnie. <laughs> they have a lot of players to sign the Carolina Hurricanes do this offseason, including their head coach who just re-upped and we'll talk about them later. But yeah, this would be a massive blow to that team. They're probably going to lose a defenseman in expansion draft, I would assume. So maybe Gardner or Shea goes to Seattle, but we'll see what Seattle picks and who they're going to pick if that contract's good, bad, whatever player caliber they're going to get. But it's a weird one considering, like you said, it's rumored and it's out there for us to listen to, right? Like allow to speak to other teams the playoffs are not even over and he's allowed to do this already. And yeah. like, maybe like one of the teams that are still in the playoffs are <laughs> speaking to him. We don't know, but we'll see what happens. I heard Leafs. I'm like, just throw that out the window. They're not getting him. I don't really care. But uh, another Leafs thing. I don't really want to talk about this, but Zach Hyman is not willing to take a hometown discount. And the reports are looking at a $5.56 million deal. Uh, if you're the Leafs, if you're Kyle Dubas and the management staff, are you doing that deal or are you staying? Because I don't, I don't know the gears he wants. I think it's long term, but what would you do that if you're the Leafs to lock him up, say five point five for six years? No, definitely not. Like anything more than five is like that's five by five is like the max out goal because you're looking at a guy who's 29 years old and has a knee a, a knee now that's basically been through hell the last couple of years with this torn ACL then he sprained it again this past year so he has some injury concerns already he's not young and like uh, see like as the report was he's not willing to take a hometown discount because Chris Johnson tweeted he'll, he's kind of looking for like a Josh Anderson type of deal where it's five and a half long term maybe not seven years because that's absurd um <laughs> but maybe like for maybe like five years would be reasonable <laughs> Um, so we'll see what happens there, but I, I can't see him getting that type of contract. Yeah. And on the, yeah. And on the open market, I think he's going to ask for this money, right? Like, and Mm -hmm. maybe some team is going to be stupid enough to do it. Edmonton. (laughs) Yeah. That'd be a joke if they did that. 
Yeah, they're already in cap trouble, and they're going to sign Zach Hyman to five point five million. Go ahead, take him. So, and I mean, my thoughts on that. Nuge. <laughs> yeah, and they have Nuge still, who might go yeah. off the li- off the board as well with six million cap it right. So, mm-hmm. they got to think about their priorities there. But the Leafs also do as well. I mean, this team's just really annoying. I don't really want to talk about them, but <laughs> like just Hyman in general, like he's a great player. You know, that's a guy you want on your team. But do you want a yeah. guy on your team making five point five million dollars in that style of play? At 29 years old, like you said, probably not. So, I mean, honestly, like, sure, he's an important part of the team. He's one of the players who have great on this team. It really hasn't worked out in about five years since the Leafs, uh, since 2017. So whatever they need to do to get better, uh, go ahead and do it. Whether that's getting rid of the players that actually care, uh, go ahead. But we'll see what happens there. The max I would give Hyman if I'm the Maple Leafs is like five point, like, two for like five years that's the max i would do but even that's pretty rich yeah like like i would just get five by five and like a lot of like signing bonus and all that like if he declines that then i think that's really stupid i'm sorry he's not like he's playing with fantastic players um obviously he's a big part of like the lines that he's on but like he's playing with literally like two top five point producers at least one top goal scorer one top playmaker in, in the league with Matthews and Marner. So I, I would assume his numbers are inflated a little bit. Like there's no, I don't think he's scoring 20 to 25 goals on another team in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. And especially not the Red Wings, if you're to get that money from them. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just like, let's say he gets 5.2 and he's put on the third line. Is that really good? No, no. no. So think about what, think wisely. You may believe on that contract. Think wisely Hyman on that contract as well. Moving on, you could go to the next news about that uh, that loser over there in Buffalo. Oh, yeah, the captain of the loser, Buffalo Sabres, Jack Eichel. So now apparently the rumors are really heating up. Pierre Lebrun came out a few days ago and basically said that the talks are intensifying and that he could potentially be dealt before the end of the playoffs, which I don't think has ever happened before. Because <laughs> you're obviously you have to talk to teams that are out of it, of course. Like I don't think you're allowed to talk to teams that are still competing because that makes no sense. Um, but yeah, like th- this could really be coming quick. Like a lot of people are saying potentially the draft or like the offseason, but it looks like it could happen before then, which would be crazy. Like, okay, let's say he gets traded during the Stanley Cup final. I would... I would like really bet on that that trade being more of a storyline than the actual final. Yeah, for sure, a hundred percent. Like that, that would be like a seismic like trade that would just steal all the headlines, like the return, where he's going, who the team's giving up, the outlook. It's like, man, it'd be crazy. And then I, Russo said on the pod yesterday that Kevin Adam. I don't know. I don't know if it was Kevin Adams, but someone in Buffalo said that um, if they're gonna. No, I think it was Friedman actually that they said if if they trade Eichel, they're going to get another top ten pick in the draft this year. Which means, are they trading with someone in the top ten of the draft this year? And Friedman said that Seattle could be in the mix on him, so they would have they would want that second overall pick, so they would have one two in this draft. Is is even that second overall pick enough to get Eichel? No, like this, I don't know why they would want to like load up on this draft. Like this is probably the worst draft in a long time. On top of the fact that there was not much scouting this year. Um, there's really no clear cut, like number one, like generational player, yeah. like top end player, like Owen Powers projected to go first overall. <laughs> we'll get to him in a bit. 
but I don't know why they would want to load up on this draft. Like you could potentially draft a guy that's a superstar in the third round because like yeah. there's not much scouting report and like the way they develop and like there could be like a lot of first round busts this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely wouldn't do that. I would be probably looking forward to next year's draft with uh, Mr. Shane Wright in it. Which would be which would be amazing if Buffalo were able to get that, but who knows? But <laughs> yeah, Seattle could make a move, but they, they don't really have anything else to offer. Like the <laughs> no. second overall pick, and who else? Like Ron Francis's golf clubs. Like, yeah, like I don't know. And, but like, yeah, there's a lot of teams like the Western uh, California teams. All of them are rumored for some reason, even though they're all terrible and rebuilding. And they, I don't, I find them. I don't want to give up my prospects that I have. So. We'll see what happens there. But I do think he's going to go to the Western Conference. I just don't know where. Yeah, it'd be pretty strange if he went to the division he's going to be in next year, which is the Atlantic, one of those teams. I don't see that happening. So I think Western is a very safe bet. We'll see what happens. I mean, this guy is a superstar in this league, top 10 player when he's on his game. So we'll see what happens, how his price went down, maybe up. I don't know where it's going to go. But, you know, I'm, yeah, like I'm you. If I'm trading Jack Eichel, I want prospects in your system that are kind of developed instead of a pick who I don't know who's going to be that pick even, right? So we'll see what happens on that front. If it gets done before the Stanley Cup Finals, wow, that would be a storyline to talk about. So we'll see what happens with Jack Eichel and the Buffalo Sabres. Now going to the next piece of news and the guy who they could get first overall, Owen Power returning back to college. So I believe he's on Michigan, right? And Mm -hmm. this would be a weird one. Yeah, so there's rumors out there because Buffalo is the first overall pick that he might opt out to play another year of college, which would literally be a slap in the face to Buffalo. I think Vineyards is at number two projected, so it's not to get a huge loss. Plus, if they trade Eichel, and they'll get Vineyards, who's a center. So it's not a huge loss. They already have Dalene, who's one of their top defensemen that they picked three years ago. So even if Owen Power does return to college, like it's not a huge deal for the Sabres, in my opinion. Like Veneers is like right there, one and two. So it's not a huge loss, but it would be pretty funny, literally because Buffalo got the first pick that Power's like, okay, never mind. I got to go work on my skills uh, in Michigan still. That'd be pretty funny. So we'll see what happens there. I mean, I don't really blame Owen Power for going back to college, but I mean, if the Buffalo Sabres are going to offer you basically a – I don't know, second second line D pairing spot, and you're gonna play like 20 a night. Go and take that. Yeah, that's what I would do. To be honest, like I would always want to make the NHL at this point. Right. Like, you you know you're a top prospect. Like if you're power, doesn't matter where it is. You want to play in the NHL. Like that's your dream, right? So yeah, I would exactly. like if I, if I'm in that position, if I was ever in that position, I would not care what team drafted me. Yeah, and I would honestly let the team decide for me, right? Yeah. So we'll see. Um, something that the team is isn't deciding and this is another piece of news Kirill Kaprasov is back in Russia obviously that's his hometown and he there was a report yesterday Kevin Weeks came out and said that he may be signing a contract with CSK Moscow in the Russian KHL league and this would um, bump him from the NHL after one season and uh, I mean this is just like if that comes to fruition wow that would be a complete disaster for the wild considering the guy literally came over after like six years or something he was drafted in 2014 six years was an absolute stud this year def most likely gonna win rookie of the year even though he's older 
but he completely reinvigorated that franchise with literally just him coming over. They, they made the playoffs. They pushed Vegas to seven games in the first round. He scored almost 30 goals this year in a shortened year. He was fantastic. And if he decides to go back to Moscow, then that would, I don't even, if I'm a wild fan, I just give up at that point. <laughs> he waited six years for the guy to come. He comes is sensational and then just leaves again. But apparently the reason he's in Moscow is because he's there for a friend's wedding and like, He's most likely not going to go that route, and he's looking yeah. for a contract with the Wild. I think a Wild beat reporter kind of came out and said that that he's just like you know he's only going to play for the Wild if he when he if he comes back to the NHL and stuff like that. So I don't see much validity in this, but the fact that it came out is just yeah. <laughs> bonkers. Yeah, the fact that it like came out is I think the weirdest part of the situation, right? And then. I mean, obviously, Kevin Weeks, I don't think he's going to false report things. So Mm -hmm. I don't think he's just going to come out one day. Hey, like, Kirill Skaprasov's in Russia. He's going to sign a car. No, I don't think that's going to happen. But we'll see what happens there. Uh, He wants a lot in his contract, I heard. He wants the max eight years at, like, more than $8 million. Are you You going to give that to him? Yeah, exactly. I think the the Wild have to consider that because – like you said, he came into the franchise. He was like, if there's anything in the NHL across the NHL and you say a savior of the franchise, that's him. Yeah. He made them like relevant again. Like no one cared about the wild really anymore after like pre suitor, they're getting older and stuff like that. And he just came in and just lit a fire under the team. Obviously they brought in like Cam Talbot uh, to solidify the goaltending. Their depth was okay for the most part. Joel Erickson Eck was good, but he's the reason why they, finished where they finished yep totally agree okay so you could go into the next piece of news because your uh your boy's nominated for it yeah so this is the jim gregory award so it's voted for gm of the year so the nominees are uh my man bicep bergy mark bergevin bill zito of the Fo- of the florida panthers and mafia lou lamorello of the islanders um <laughs> and i, I see really, another note there <laughs> yes i really do not like the way that this gets voted um they so apparently all GMs vote for this after the second round, which obviously doesn't make sense because obviously you're going to be skewed to the guys who actually made it to the final four, like Bergevin and, and Lamorello. But like, I, I can't, I completely forgot that that's how they voted for this award. But like people like Julian Brisebois and like Joe Sakic should have definitely been nominated for this award. Bergevin for all the moves he made, but I would say maybe gets nominated, but they weren't very good in the regular season whatsoever. The only argument you can make for him is that the additions that he made literally saved their season. Yeah. Like Jake Allen was the reason they made the playoffs to fully leading the team in goals and points. You know, Josh Anderson had an okay year, 17 goals. He's really slowed down near the end. Joel Edmondson solidified defense and the penalty kill, but I mean, it's really recently recency biased here. And then Bill Zito obviously kind of revamped the Florida roster. And then Lamorello, obviously Anders Lee went down with a season-ending injury, traded for uh, Zajac and Palmieri, which has worked out really well for them, for the Islanders. So it's kind of weird. Like, yes, the guys, they uh, made moves here, worked out. But again, are they really the best GM? <laughs> this, like, for example, for Lamorello, does Trotz get more credit for that? Mm-hmm. Like, I would think so for getting the most out of those guys. It's just a really flawed voting system. It's like, it's not, I don't know if it's flawed, but like, it's like you have to luck into it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. let's say, the, let's say the Leafs go to the third round. Dubas nominated. Yeah. 
Like it's just it's just the luck of the tide, right? Like the acquisitions, whether they prove off in the playoffs. But honestly, like I have Bergeron winning. Um, I don't know if you do, but yeah, I, I would. If since he's nominated, I would guess he would win just because of all the the moves that he made. Like they literally all paid off and big time. Like they were huge parts of the team. So since he's nominated here, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't necessarily think that he should have been for like the, if you're looking at the whole year. Right. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Like no GM has ever. I don't think it, they have ever won back to back awards. Like so, Lou Lamar won last year. And he's nominated again. I don't think he will win, but because of the moves Mark Bergeron made, and because because the amount of moves he made is just honestly like incredible. Because obviously Carey Price has to do with it, but he was on the team since like freaking day one, right? Yeah. But all the moves he's made, all the guys have made an impact. Whether it's a small impact, massive impact, uh, an impact in some games you need them, like Josh Anderson yesterday. The moves he made, all the guys are stepping up when they needed to, and. I think the most, like, I think maybe the biggest move is Corey Perry, man. Like, that guy, man. In the playoffs, you're not stopping that guy. Yeah, he's sensational in the playoffs. And I think that he has, like, over 100 playoff points, I think I saw, which is, like, I didn't even know he had that many. I know he's played a ton of playoff games, but he's been really good this year. Obviously, he's got his nose busted yesterday, <laughs> but he, he's, like, a playoff performer. So I, I'm really happy they signed him. I hope he actually comes back again next year if he wants yeah. for minimum or even I would give him one million because he's what's been he making right now? Seven hundred, I think, oh. or seven fifty, like Spezza. Oh. So he, like if he could, if he wants to come back, I would hundred percent want him back on the team next year. Yeah, totally agree. And that's Mark Bergman's decision. And let's hope he gets uh, that award because that's a one award where you know he hasn't really gotten that on a shelf yet. And it's some award maybe he should have gotten in the past for it, but. We'll see what happens with those three guys. Um, then the award winners, the actual ones that have come out. I don't know which award is today. I don't think they're doing on the weekend, but we'll see. So Jack Adams, we talked about Rod the Bod getting it. Uh, he signed that three-year deal with the Hurricanes. E. Evanson and Quenville were also nominated. I think I said Quenville and you said Evanson last week. So, I mean, Rod the Bod really, I don't know, maybe surprised us. Yeah, like I feel like he was like the least deserving of the three. Obviously, he's a great coach and just got re-upped for three years on a very good Carolina team, and he's a big reason. But I think like the impact that uh, Dean Glenson and Coach Cube made just from like last year to this year is a lot bigger of an impact than Rod the Bod, who Carolina has been good now for like three years. So that's why I don't really agree with it. Obviously, I agree he got nominated. Well, not even that. Like Trot should have been nominated, but yeah. Like, Trump's got one third place vote. Yeah. Speaking of that, Dan Quinn got more <laughs> votes and uh, Jeremy Culleton, both who did not even make the playoffs. So I, I don't even know what to say about that. Trotz just keeps getting disrespected. But yeah, I don't agree with this a win. I think it should have been Coach Q or, or Glenson. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, so Rod the Bod obviously three upped and uh, got this award for the Carolina Hurricanes. Next one, Bill Masterson. I think this was all one that, like, I don't know if you really, I hate predicting this one, but because maybe all of them are really deserving, but Oscar Lindblom, that guy, what what a story that is. Well, obviously wins it. Didn't win it last year, and that's something Bobby Ryan said when he announced Lindblom won this year, that he's like, why the hell did I win last year? Why did this guy win? But yeah, he's got the award now, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it on the Bill Masterson. You could go with the Selkie. Yeah, so the Selkie, finally, this guy wins it. He's been nominated for a 
for a lot of years now, and it's Alexander Barkov taking on the Selkie Award win for the first time in his career, I believe, or second. Yeah, I think no, it first might be time. First time, yeah. So he was great all year long. He's been a two-way force for years now. Um, you know, he's only – I think he's still only 25. So, like, he's really, like, in his prime still, and he's going to be good for many years to come. Um he was great all year. Not really surprised by this. If it was Stone, it would have been like the first ever time a winger won the Selkie, I believe, or one second of the first time. times. So yeah, the second time. Um, so good for Barkov on winning that. Yep, and like we always say, we got to rename that one the Bergeron one because he was nominated again. <laughs> yeah, he's been nominated, I think, seven or eight times. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, King Clancy, Pecorine. I don't remember what this one is for. I think this is for community involvement, right, but I could right. be wrong. Um, so Pecorine, he's been with Nashville's whole career. It looks like this is his swan song this year. I don't think he's coming back. I think he's like 39 years old now. He might consider retirement or maybe just a backup role somewhere else. Who knows? He hasn't really said, but that if he goes out this way, I think he'd be very happy with himself yeah. uh, capturing this award because it probably means a lot to the players. Yeah, no, it does for sure. Yeah, the helping community and stuff like that. Obviously, he's been a guy in the national organization for a very, very, very long time. So, yeah, we've seen in recent years that, like, we think goalies are out and done. They're old, and they sign with a new team like Lundqvist we saw. Obviously, didn't play for the Washington Capitals this year, but mm-hmm. could happen with Pecorini. Maybe someone wants his services, but I don't know. We'll see about that. Yeah, for So sure. that's all the awards that are listed and uh, awarded, obviously. And I think the next one, I don't know if it's today though. Maybe it is, but we still got the Norris, the Vesna, the Hart, the Ted Lindsay, the Calder. The Calder, I think yeah. Win, win that one, but I think that's pretty much it, right? I think that's it. I think there's just five left. All the yeah. major ones are left. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I think Connor McDavid's very slam dunk for two of those ones. So maybe I think the only one that really is debatable this year is the Norris. Yeah, the Norris, I think, is a coin flip between Makar and Hedman. But I, I think Makar might get it. The only reason I'm not, like, because he didn't, like, you know, he missed some time this year. Obviously, he was a point per game, which is amazing. He's still only in his yeah. second year. Um, but I think he's I think he's going to win it this year just because of Colorado being really good this regular season. They won the Presidents. So, like, that's going to play a, a lot into it as well. Yep, totally agree. All right. So that's it from us on N10. Unless you have anything to add, you want to say, or you have any articles on the pipeline? Uh, I might have one potentially if Eichel gets dealt. Um, I'll I could have an article breaking that whole thing down or that whole saga potentially if it happens in the next couple of days. But otherwise, just probably just going to do the pod uh, in the future right now. Yeah, and we talked about Seattle today as Rick talking might go. That's an article we could team up on and do a kind of a mock draft. I know like mock drafts have been here for at least two years, but as we're getting closer, players are getting better. The price are going up for most of them. Maybe they get dealt to that team. So maybe we could write one on that. Mm-hmm. And obviously the Stanley Cup finals will have a, well, I don't think we're going to record next week, but we'll have a sort of idea of who's going to be in that finals next recording. Like I think maybe yeah, we'll miss for game sure. more. I think, yeah, I think, uh, like if, I think uh, at the end of this week, all the off all two games and the sub finals definitely starts like the week of the twenty eighth of June, I believe. So we'll definitely have that covered for you in the next episode, since we're not going to be recording next week. Yep, for sure. All right, that's been it. N ten will be back in two weeks. Join us.
then. Woo!